You're listening to a new episode of Empathy Always Wins. My name is Ali Salama, and it is my pleasure to be introducing you to the world's exclusive youth leadership and mental health show. I'd just like to point out that today we got news that we, Empathy Always Wins podcast, is charting in 14 countries, charting at number one in four countries, Egypt, Kuwait, Tunisia, and Jordan. Without your support, this wouldn't be possible. So thank you so much yet again before we dive into today's episode. Our journey together has been super fascinating and Every single week, I like to bring new minds to the show to really enhance the message around empathy, resilience, leadership, and empower us youth to really strive for more in a much more effective way. So this week's guest is someone who I have utmost respect for, who goes by the name of Gaj Ravichandra. Gaj is a passionate individual about the development of people and their improvement. For 20 years as a registered psychologist, Gaj has worked with organizations to formulate and deliver on solutions that enhance talent management and leadership initiatives. He's a member of the Australian Institute of Company Directors and currently on the board of multiple organizations across five continents and created a non-for-profit focused on finding solutions towards improving children's education and health globally. Without further ado, this was our episode with Gaj Ravichandra. And just before we hop into our episode today, I just want to thank Ash, a very close friend of mine who is on the music, Daydream. Please stream it everywhere on Spotify, Apple. And a quick note that there is a huge announcement as soon as we end our episode with Gaj Ravichandra. So let's get into it. Gaj, thank you so much for coming on Empathy Always Wins. Um, it's always really refreshing to have a, a, a professional, I would say, a male representative um, from the psych community. We don't find this often. And I feel that whenever I am in the space of, you know, development, uh, psychology, organizational psychology, I, I always ask myself, like, what stops guys from this field? Like there's this, yeah. And, and, and I, when I was sieving through your profile and, and seeing the work that you've done, I, I found a lot of um, parallels, you know, you being so curious at a young age, studying people and now help, wanting to help people out. I really want to get a little bit familiar about your background. So before we dive into sort of the main meaty gist of our episode, which will really focus on, on, on mental toughness and, and where we're at right now and, and how to build resilience, can you walk us through a little bit more about uh, who God is and, and, and how, how this journey really started? Yeah, thanks, Ali. Good to be here, man. Um, I think it's really interesting. I'm going to tell you a bit of a weird story, right? Because um, this, I went through a workshop about three weeks ago that was uh, run by a Native American Indian. And the Native American Indian, um, you know, she's in her 70s and she's had this knowledge passed down from generation to generation. And she actually went through this process of understanding what is what we call our original power, right? The thing that we are brought into this world with. And as I went back into my life, and the question is, 
and maybe some of your listeners might find this interesting, when you were like five or six years old, what were you known for, right? What were the things, the qualities, the characteristics that you had that other people noticed about you, right? And for me, funnily enough, it was empathy and kindness and honesty, mm -hmm. right? Those are the things that I think all the way through my life have been key drivers for me. So when I kind of got to the point where I had to start making choices about my careers, right, and, and what, do I, what do I want to do in my life, um, I started looking at professions that would allow me to practice this on a regular basis. Now, I think you know, 25 years ago, a quarter of a century ago, tells you my age, when I started <laughs> studying psychology, right? um, I'm one of those old buggers. Um, one of the things that happened was that there, there were clearly many more females studying psychology than men, right? And if you look at the lineup, um, you know, going into university, there was a definite difference, right? And I wanted to do something that was aligned to me. And for me, it felt very natural, right? Solving people problems, listening to them, understanding what they're about, um, providing them with structure and framework to become happier, right? That was really part of the key driver. And I'll tell you, one of the things that always inspired me was my parents because um, they adore each other, they, they love each other, um, but they would just go at each other every day. And I always wondered, how is it that two people who are almost polar personalities on so many things um, just have this ability to be able to support each other and love each other and work together, right, to, to create a family and to, to help their family to flourish? And I, that always fascinated me. And, you know, uh, it, it's one of those things I think that drove me into this profession. Mm. And the more that I use this original power that was given to me, I, I believe, um, that we all come into the world with, um, we, I had years where I felt, you know, am I making the right choices? Mm. Right? Am I doing the right things? And when you go back to that time and you remember, why am I doing this again? Right? What is the purpose of this? Um, you know, that sense of curiosity in, in people, that drives a lot of things, right? I think when we look at our own careers, that's one of the things I love. You know, I've been trying to support people on their career choices, you know, for the last couple of decades. And that is the one thing I keep going back to. What are you curious about? And for me, it's about people. Yeah. 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 I mean, you, you definitely, um, you definitely worked with a, an array of people, you know, from various types of, of peak performers, um, what what does it mean to be mentally tough? Like what what does mental toughness mean to you? Mm -hmm. And it looks, I mean, from from my perspective, almost the, the first thing I feel when I hear about mental toughness is is grit, resilience. But what does it take to be mentally tough? Are you born mentally tough? Can you work on it? Uh, you know, is willpower like a thing? Is it a muscle that you exercise? And 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 how does that affect into or translate into results uh, in every aspect of your life? It's something I've been really fascinated about wanting to sort of ask you coming into this, into this episode. Yeah, it's a really, it's a million dollar question. And I think it, the, the research is quite strong in this area about some of those key personality qualities, right? That mm -hmm. uh, result in people being um, quite successful or building mental toughness. In a lot of ways, mental toughness is about dealing with pressure and stress, regardless of the situation that is around you, right? And so, you know, if you think about an easy way of defining it would be, 
probably being more comfortable in your own skin, mm. right? And so this idea of accepting who we are, right? Understanding what are the things that give us the ability to overcome challenges, having the self-awareness to know what are my triggers that are happening around me, right? Is it a particular relationship? Is it a situation or a context? Is it a particular event, right, that might occur? Is it a time of the day, right? My wife will tell me it's seven in the morning, right? Do not talk to me at this time. I'm not going to be in a good mood. So she's not maybe so mentally tough at that time, right? For me, it's like late in the evening, right? I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Yeah. In fact, I was talking to a couple of special forces guys in Australia, and uh, they would they would say that it's a combination of sort of your mindset and the energy and your body, right, coming mm. together. Because if your energy is depleted, you probably have less resources to draw upon when you're trying to be tough. I mean, look, you're a world class swimmer, right? Um, <laughs> you could be you. I can imagine you were going to events where. You know, you're mentally there, but your body is just caving in, right? You're probably exhausted and all the rest of it. Absolutely. So how did you find, I don't want to be interviewing you, but how did you find that uh, combination of your body and your mind? You know, it's it's quite funny. You know, sometimes you can look back five years or six years ago or seven years ago to to my life as a swimmer, but a day like today, like I had to have a nap an hour before this podcast because and I was so close to calling it off because I was so damn tired. I was yeah. really tired. And a friend of mine two days ago, and she's, she's one of the peak performers that, that I know in my life. And she was like, Ali, you know what? Because we were talking about, you know, toughness, compassion, resilience and all that. She's like, Ali, you know what? Um, for people like you and, and I, you have to know one thing. When you're tired, you're bloody tired. <laughs> you have to take it. You have to understand like people who are like you, who really are passionate about what they do and give 110%. Uh, when your body feels tired, which, you know, you rarely take, you, you, rarely, you, you rarely go to that zone. You rarely enter that zone because you're very self-aware. But when you feel like that, you have to let, like you have to know and listen to your body. Then I feel like this question that you're asking me, you know, we, can, we, we can't, we don't really have to go that back because I think the mentality and the person I have become as a result of that career has just manifested into the person I am, you know, speaking right yeah. now. And I think that the most just important thing that when I think of mental toughness and resilience is self-awareness and understanding, you know, when to make a call off and when to not, you know. So if I, for example, if I had woken up and felt really bad, I would have definitely felt, I would have definitely felt more comfortable because I hate calling things off. I absolutely just... I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't yeah. like giving Maybe strong people. commitment to things. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. And when I say I, I'm going to show up unless like the world is falling apart, I, like I will cancel something. And that's part of, I, I guess, maybe part of being, you know, mentally tough in one area of my life. But if, for example, I would have woken up and not felt so great, I would have given myself that space. But mm. uh, it's taking action for me, understanding that, hey, you have two hours. Maybe that decision, you shouldn't make it right now. Maybe take an hour and a quarter nap and then see what your mind is like just to be able to give yourself that space. So that's just a way that I deal with, um, I deal with tough situations. But does, yeah. that, does, that, does that really touch on, on any of the learnings that you perhaps? Um... Absolutely, absolutely. So I'll give you a classic example, right? So 
the one of the key things that you know the, the the definitions around being comfortable in your own skin means that when you do realize that you are tired if you're comfortable enough in your own skin you will take a break yeah right you will actually give yourself permission to be able to do that yeah. and that's a really powerful learning right for you know high performing people across any you know industry or profession or discipline mm. and so what happens is that when we're not comfortable in our own skin, we feel this pressure to keep going, right? Mm -hmm. Now that results in all these things that we have, burnout, um, you know, all the sort of, you know, fear of failure, the imposter syndrome, the all the other stuff that creeps in, yeah, right? Yeah. That kind of tells us, no, 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 I've got to keep going. If I don't get going, I'm going to fail, right? <laughs> um, I'm going to look bad in front of other people. I'm not going to commit to this. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, these tricks are being played on us. Now, that's up to us to, to, to manage and, and mitigate, right? And so, you know, I think being comfortable in your own skin gives you permission, yeah. right, to be able to take a break and to value and give yourself the opportunity to rest because it is important. We need to do that. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, one thing I also wanted to touch upon in our, in our conversation today is, uh, is, is a question and perhaps a, a direction around, you know, for, for many people that have to ask themselves you know, this tough question of, of how can I be aligned or how can I, how can I direct my life's, uh, you know, mission and purpose to feel like what I'm doing has meaning. Um, how, like, how do we, how do we find alignment and, and how do we make sure that, you know, what we're doing is aligned and if that isn't the case, how can we redirect ourselves and be a little bit more aware especially during the times that we're going through right now, the pandemic and those, mm. those, those, those heightened times of, of, of feelings and maybe a little bit of stress and anxiety. Mm. Yeah, that's a really challenging question because obviously there are some principles about finding alignment, right? How, how do you find alignment? How do you find, yeah. for me, the word is more connection to mm. things, right? Absolutely. So how do you feel more connected? And so, Everyone talks about, you know, find your passion, right? Go and chase your passion and all the rest of it. It's probably the most overused word, you know, in the last <laughs> three decades, right? Yeah. Um, I go back one step, right? Yeah. So if you're going to find passion, that passion for me is almost like a flower or a tree, right? But there's a seed that needed to be planted, right, mm -hmm. to get that passion. And that was curiosity. Yeah. So if you ask yourself, what are you curious about? What do you spend your time doing, right? So is it, do you read particular magazines? Do you kind of spend your time searching on the internet, you know, for certain kinds of topics? Do you find that the conversations that you have with your friends revolve around certain things, right? If you think about those things, you'll find some areas that you are naturally curious about. Mm. Now, when you're curious about something, you then need to do something about it, right? You need to explore and kind of research or look at how could I take that to another level? Yeah. Now, outside of working with a career coach or somebody who can give you some frameworks and structure around that, even sitting down with your friends and saying, you know, if I was to take my curiosity in, say, uh, tennis, right, or uh, let's say cars, right, let's say cars, um, you know, to another level, what would that be? Well, you're a, maybe my background's in maths or accounting, right? Well, would you like to work as an accountant, you know, for Porsche, right, mm. for example, right? How do you start to connect the dots in the things that you're doing 
that give you that sense of fulfillment around your curiosity, right? So there is a, a process around that. And um, there is a really interesting process called the Seven Stories, which was created in 1945 at the end of the Second wow. World War. And it is, um, it's really fascinating. So, you know, the end of the Second World War, you know, I'm taking you back in time here. Uh, the US <laughs> and its allies have won the war. Everyone's happy, but the government in the US has this massive problem, right? Tens of thousands of troops are coming back to the country and the government has no way of knowing where to put all these people, right? Back in the society. Do you become a baker, a dentist, a lawyer, an engineer, a doctor? What do you do, right? Um, and so they went to this guy called Bernard Haldane, who was the professor of management at Harvard at the time, and said, look, can you help us, right? We don't know where to put all these people. Uh, and so Bernard created this process called the seven stories, which was about reflecting on your life's achievements. So we started with 25 achievements, right? You, so you can list, literally list down 25 things in your life, personal, professional, academic, sport, whatever it might be, things that you've done. Then you narrow that down to your top seven and then you score them against these things called motivated skills. Mm -hmm. These are the things that you enjoy doing and the things that you are good at. And through this process, what you find, Ali, is, is amazing. You find patterns, you find connections about things that you have done across all these different achievements. And so when you understand that, and that's, you know, going back to your point about self-awareness, right? Yeah. Once you have that self-awareness, then you've got ammunition. You've got stuff that you can, you can do something with it, right? Which is really important. So then you connect the dots to find what opportunities might be there to fulfill those uh, motivated skills. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I was taking notes as you were speaking right there. I think that this is, uh, have you done this like with Pete? I mean, I mean, I know that you have a consultancy um, company and I know that, mm -hmm. how, how does it feel like when you sit in front of someone and they almost have this, aha, wow, like, where were you? Like, I, I needed you earlier, man. How does it feel like on a personal level? How does that feel? Well, I mean, let me tell you this uh, very quick short story that will exemplify some of the wonderful privilege that I have in my life, right? And, and this is part of the reason it reinforces what it is that I do. Mm. I was doing the seven stories exercise about a year ago with somebody. And one of the stories that came up was the guy, he was in his mid forties, lost in his career, didn't know what to do. He was doing a, an MBA at a you know top business school. And he was he did the seven stories. One of the outcomes or the achievements was his father passed away. And I went, hang on, did you kill him? Like what happened? How, how was that an achievement? What, what, was the, what was the deal? And he said, uh, no, I realized through that story that when my dad died, I had to reflect on what it was about him that I connected to. Why was it such a big loss for me, right? Mm -hmm. And he said it was the way that he treated people. And that's the way that he treats people in his teams. It's the way that he treats his family. It's the way that he treats, you know, certain other individuals in his life. Mm. And he said, that was the lesson that I got from that. So when I join a company, I need to be allowed to treat people in that way. Right. And so for him, it was about connecting those dots about understanding what is the culture that I need to be happy. Right. Who are the kind of friends that I need to have around me? That's going to bring out the best in me, right? It's all of those kind of things. And you start to, I mean, it's heavy. So when that happened and he burst into tears, right? Having this conversation wow. because he hadn't realized that that's what he was trying to do all this time, right? It's, it's moments like that, man, that happen. And, you know, I always have a tissue box 
next to me because people usually break down at some point because <laughs> they're getting into a point where they're not used to with people around them, right? And yeah. you have to create a sense of safety for people. Yeah. Uh, but when that happens, it's beautiful. And I, and I get to share it with you. I get to share it with other people. And, you know, uh, that's what reinforces what I do, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I couldn't... I couldn't imagine the the it's almost the personal gratification. It's all, it feels so good to to oneself. It's almost selfish. But if everyone felt like that and and, and was that, like selfish in that way, the world would be a better place. If you almost <laughs> want to want to help people so much that you get this high off of doing that, uh, you know, it's yeah. it's almost you know it's it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. And 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 I I mock the word selfish. I actually don't mean it. But I hope you feel you understand. No, no, absolutely. I mean, and all of us get to do it in different ways. I mean, what you're doing is fantastic right i mean you are spreading this this gospel this word around um around empathy um to as many people as possible which is such a terrific gift right to the Thank world you. um one of my old bosses used to tell me I and mean, he was uh, used to run a recruitment business and you know a lot of people look at recruiters and think they're so transactional and you know they just want to <laughs> get a job filled so that they can make some money he used to say that the reason he was doing it was that when he helps someone to find a job, that meant that they could afford to buy their girlfriend an engagement ring, right? So that they could wow. get married, that they could afford wow. to get a deposit on their family home, right? It, it was that level of intensity, right? Mm. Why am I doing these things? What am I curious about, right? You connect those things together. It's, it's amazing. It's mind-blowing, right? It really is. I think that's like really diving into someone's why. I, I think yeah. that when people, and by diving into someone's why, I don't mean, you know, the, the typical, you know, stereotypical <laughs> why, oh, I do this because, you know, it helps serve the world. No, I mean, yeah, like yeah. your why, like, why is it personal for you? I think, I think mm. that if it's not personal, it really doesn't make sense because you are a personal and an emotional being. And yeah. I always, you know, I always, um, get asked sometimes like Ali why why are you doing this you know mental health journey or like yeah. why you know and I don't think that sometimes people understand the fact that until something until you experience something and until you go through something that you know only certain people go through yeah and sometimes I say no matter how high things get you know no matter how high this mountain gets for me it's it it was just as it was just equivalent in terms of its trough for me and i i always think that it's it's because it was personal it was because like i couldn't felt trapped and stuck and it was because i i swore and promised myself that if this even gets better one day that is what i will do and that's what i'll commit and sometimes it never does, never, never is, or I never, I can never do justice to that moment that was, that happened. But I think walking the walk, I, I always say walk the walk, don't even walk the talk, just walk the walk. And mm. that will make sense. Um, and and when I look at, you know, when I look at people like you on, on their respective journeys, I, I see, I see a common, um, I see a common denominator. I see the fact mm. that, you know, it, you do what you do on a on a daily basis because uh, because of a very personal reason, and I think when we all tie 
what we are gifted at or what we are what we are skilled at with what we can make a difference and have it and have a direct impact whether it's on an organization or whether it's in an organization whether it's on people we go back home sleeping like we sleep more comfortable every night right yeah absolutely absolutely and you know being in touch with that life is personal right when we lose the the, the personal part of life there is a disconnection, right? And that's part of the reason where people do feel these, these moods drop and we get into elements of depression and sadness and so forth, right? Um, typically, that there is some connection that's been lost there. And so when we reconnect, right, it is such an enriching uh, ability. And I think if all of us were to come together around that and to support each other, to connect in some way to the things that we are curious about and we love and we enjoy, yeah. uh, what a world that would be. Right. And, and I've seen that more and more in COVID actually. I think yeah. I've seen a lot of that. I mean, yeah, as, as you say that, the, the one thing that comes to my mind is uh, I'd love to hear about your, maybe your, what does empathy mean to you? Like, what does yeah. the word empathy mean to you, especially during the, our current situation right now? What does it mean to lead one's life with an empathetic approach? And what does empathy mean in the scope and realm of leadership? Yeah, so for me, you know, this is day five of day 14 of hotel quarantining, right? <laughs> this is where I'm uh, recording this with you in Sydney. <laughs> And I've had a lot of time to sit here and reflect on some of these things. And, and why am I doing this? Why am I stuck in a room? Not just me. There are families stuck in hotel rooms, right? Around the world, hotel quarantining right now. Why are we doing these things, right? And a lot of that for me has got to do with a bigger cause, mm. right? And for me, empathy is almost two things. So one is the sort of emotional empathy side, which is this sense of, am I willing to share and to understand or become engaged with a person's emotions, right? That is kind of one thing. The other is this cognitive or intellectual empathy, right? Mm. Which is, can I actually consciously put myself into the shoes of another person? Mm. These are almost two separate skills, right? Because okay. one thing is I might be happy to share. I might be happy to cry when another person cries, right? But can I actually consciously put myself into that other person's shoes uh, to kind of put, them, put myself into their mind, right? Mm. And when you can do that, you start to understand why I need to hotel quarantine, for example, right? Um, why I need to, why I am perhaps treated like a biohazard in my own country. <laughs> because I need to protect the people around me, yeah. right? This is not about me, actually. It's about, it's about everyone else and our community, right? Yeah. And so I, I think, you know, for me, empathy is a bit like water, mm. right? When you don't have empathy, you can survive for a little bit of time, but you get dehydrated, right? And when you get dehydrated, you have higher chance of burnout. You don't really enjoy your job so much. You're probably not so nice to your friends and family, right? Mm. Uh, you start to see people disappearing around you. There's a disconnection that happens around you, right? And so with water, we need to regularly hydrate ourselves, right? We need to be regularly connecting to other people. We need to be regularly um, putting ourselves in the shoes of other people. We need to be regularly sharing the things that we feel, 
with other people, right? Now, it doesn't mean you do it all the time and it doesn't mean you do it with everyone, right? Yeah. But there might be a selective group of people that you do that with. Mm. And, you know, that's one of the things I love about your messaging, man, is that you are, you are sharing, you are putting it out there to people. Now, they can make a decision what they do with that, right? They can choose to drink that water or they don't have to, right? Mm. But the medium to long-term consequences of that is exceptionally clear. I mean, there is science to prove this, right? This is not a gut feeling, right? It is a gut feeling, but there's also science right, <laughs> yeah. that proves it. And I think that, that for me, you know, it was a big determinant, right? With that. Absolutely. I, I think, uh, I mean, I'm going to quote you on that. Empathy <laughs> is like water. I love making content out of these episodes. The things the guests uh, come up with go is for just it, go for incredible. It. No, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And I think that, um, it helps us understand, you know, it helps us really understand the importance of empathy um, and uh, the fact that, you know, um, there are many, of course, tactical empathy. There's, 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 there, there are many types of em- mm-hmm. t- types of approaches to empathy, but I really love your, your approach. And perhaps where I want to head towards right now is a lot of people are going through layoffs, tough times. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you, off the record, you were just, telling me about how, you know, some people back in the UAE and Dubai were, were going through um, job losses and you were there to help them in person. Mm-hmm. Perhaps like uh, the, f- the final thing I'd like to touch upon is what, what, what's one message you would like to leave uh, our audience that perhaps could be going through one of these tough um, situations? What's one thing that, you know, when building resilience and building mental toughness, you would like to leave them with a message that they can perhaps take away and, and, and work on um, to make sure yeah. that this, this transition is a little bit easier. Yeah. It's so one of the things that I I'm finding a lot is that when we go through a process of um, separation, you know, particularly when say someone's, you know, lost their role um, it's very easy to jump into a survival mindset Right. And one of the things that I find is that if we move into a survival mindset, we are making a lot of decisions from a very basic part of our brain, which is uh, a fight or flight, you know, type response. Right. It's I'm going to either get angry or I'm going to quickly jump onto the next thing that's available. But one of the things that we should be thinking about, which I think is helpful, is the freeze approach, which is just pause, just stop. Right. Um, you know, we talk about it in empathy, which is the sense of actually just being present. Right. And I think, you know, when you can do that, you engage the front part of your brain, which is the rational thinking, logical decision making. This is the what I call the greatest magician of all time. Right. Yeah. This is the this is the part of our body that actually gives us a hundred thousand thoughts a day. Right. Uh, How do we filter through that? Well, the magician, if you like the David Blaine or David Copperfield of our body (laughs) is sitting there telling you what kind of um, thoughts that you should be thinking. Right. So we need to train the magician to actually give us the right information, not to be this illusionist who kind of creates a delusion. Mm -hmm. Right. For us in every part of our life. We need to be grounded. And for that, we need to freeze. So that is the first thing is to stop be present and to freeze, then to start thinking through logically, what do I need to be doing, right? Um, what are the, what is the impact of this? 
um, going through maybe you know some of that curiosity stuff and there's an entire process you know that that we in fact we created a virtual series you know called career kickstarter to actually deal with that right to help people through that journey because of this right mm. um, and so i think that is really uh, you know really important probably the other thing that you know sort of comes to mind um, i think is probably around what do you then do to tap into the support that's available to you I think a lot of us might get into this habit of thinking when a tragedy or a problem or a crisis happens that we have to solve it by ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. And we don't. In fact, there's an entire community around us that can actually support us. And this is where your networks are so important. This is where you can really tap into people who have wonderful knowledge and strength and things, your friends, you know, who can provide you with support, right? Confidence and so forth. So I think tapping into that is going to be really important as well. Mm. Um, and using the time to reflect, right, on, on what it is that you want to do. Um, is really important. So uh, I think those are the kind of key things for me as I kind of think about, you know, what do people do during that time? But having a strategy, you know, when you're going through that is really important because you can have a vision of what you want to be. And then what you need is not just a bunch of actions that sit around that you need the strategy in between, right. To kind yeah. of guide you and what you're doing. And so that requires thinking. It requires a process, right? Um, so I think the more of that you can have, the better. Yeah. yeah. And I, I love the fact that you um, said reaching out. I think that it, it's so damn brave when people have that capacity to, you know, actively reach out in a manner that empowers themselves. Like I always find it so empowering to find someone reaching out but not just reaching out to say, hey, I need help. I'm doing nothing. No, hey, I'm I'm actively doing this, this, and this. I'm not quite sure how to, you know, switch the needle on. Your mm -hmm. experience and expertise is absolutely phenomenal in that area. Would you be able to redirect my sales so I can ensure that where I'm heading is the right way? Or like that just to me, yeah. when I get like that type of outreach or I automatically hop on to whoever's sales or, or ship that because I feel that's the that's the ideal way to 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 reach out and I feel that like proactivity is is so important and it's it's not about getting somewhere it's about actively active actively doing something right absolutely we I mean it's an interesting uh, quote that uh, I sometimes use we are all a sum of the promises that we have kept to ourselves and all the promises that we have broken, mm. right? And when you think about that, there are a lot of things that we might reflect on in our lives and think, man, I wish I'd committed to that. I wish I'd studied harder. I wish I'd gone and networked more. I wish I'd gone and done X, Y, Z, right? And so potentially that's a promise that we might've broken and that promise is a commitment. So commitment, committing to things, and getting it done is one of the key elements of any sort of mental toughness or resilience, you know, sort of journey, you know, that, that we need to take. And I think right now during COVID, we need to commit to connecting with people. And of course, in a socially distance appropriate, you know, kind of way with everything that's going on, but we need to not forget, right? That just because you're socially distancing, that is completely different from isolation. 
right? Uh, and I think, you know, I hate that social isolation term. It is not social isolation, right? That's not what we're trying to do with people. Uh, it, we are trying to socially distance and we're trying to, you know, keep, we're trying to protect each other, right? That's, that's the whole point. And those with higher empathy would actually understand that. I think that's kind of one of the key things. Um, so it's funny, I find that people who have higher levels of empathy tend to struggle less with this idea of, you know, the lockdown. I've seen, I've been reading forums of people going absolutely bonkers with social, you know, with the quarantining process. And I wonder to myself how much of that is related to thinking about the bigger picture and the impact that it's having on people. Once we accept that this is not just about us, this is actually about our community, I think sometimes it might make it a little bit easier for us to accept what we're trying to do, right? Um, so it's interesting. Interesting time we're in, Ali. Yeah, I think two colors are showing. But uh, on that note, I just really want to take a moment and say thank you for for showing up. Uh, and it's been an absolute pleasure having you on Empathy Always Wins. And I definitely believe that, you know, uh, we could go on for ages, but <laughs> this has been a, a heartwarming conversation and a very light yet effective conversation. And I couldn't be, you know, more grateful to 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 have really touched on those important um, subject matters with you. So thank you, thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you, Ali. And look, really appreciate what you're doing, man. And, and it's wonderful. You know, every you deserve every ounce of success you're getting. And I think the more people that can hear your message. Um, the world's going to be a better place for it, man. It's awesome. I really appreciate it. <laughs> uh, thank you. Keep it up. Thank you so much, man. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Wow, what an episode. <laughs> Gosh, thank you so much for coming on Empathy Always Wins. Resilience, mental toughness, vulnerability, caring, leadership. Wow. Um, this was one of the episodes that I consider very rich in content. Um, thank you so much, Gaj. And uh, I have no words other than my heart is very grateful that you shared with us such effective uh, sort of notions and, and, and ways to think about empathy. And uh, especially ending on the note that highly empathetic people typically suffer less because it is just such a great skill set to, to build when you're thinking about self-awareness resilience. Um, now, hopping onto our huge announcement, I have partnered up with Harvard's very own student, Aya Azarbi, and we are launching Active360, the first Harvard-led mental health conference in the MENA region through the lens of sports having a professional sports panel and a professional athletic panel, which means that for the first time in the Middle East, we are merging sports with mental health, with the backing of Harvard, Yale, Stanford, Columbia, UPenn. Wow, I was just a kid, like, I swear, a year ago. This is super crazy because I think that with this podcast, with the social media, you know, just as we're talking about, you know, on this podcast, how to build communities, how to lead opportunities like this arise. And it truly humbles me in terms of how 
those technologies can be effective and reach people who are on the other side of the world or are doing great things. So I'd like to share this message that as much as I'm touched that we are bringing this to life, as much as I'm just an ordinary person that sort of feels so grateful that we are making a change actively every single day, something exciting, new is happening because of our persistence. So this takes a teamwork to make happen impossible. And I can't wait to share more information with you guys. We have officially launched on Instagram. Today we are launching on LinkedIn. So I'll be putting all the, all the links in the show notes below. And on that note, please feel free to share this podcast, rate it and review it uh, by, by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. So on that note, thank you so much. Thank you, Gaj. And till next week, actually, no, till Wednesday, we've started to release two episodes a week, Sundays and Wednesdays. So till Wednesday, guys. And thank you so much for listening and making this episode and this show number one uh, in four countries in the Middle East. And our dream is to make Empathy Always Wins the world's number one youth leadership podcast to help really youth take that next step because I truly believe the future is in the power of our youth voices. Thank you so much, guys. And till Wednesday. And I'd like to leave you on this note. In life and in business, true empathy, vulnerability, care, and love, it always wins.